Yeah, welcome everyone. It's nice to see you again after a long summer break. It's great that we are in a big room, that so many of you came. And also welcome to you who watch online. Yeah, I'm looking forward to explore the Tara practice with you. In the, in the last years we have done a lot of groundwork, but also we have explored uh, tantric practice with the practice of Shenrezig and the practice of Vajrasattva. So it's good, there's a good foundation in this group. Nevertheless, today I want to uh, give some introduction into tantric practice in general kind of a, a summary of the last 10 years of teachings. If for those of you who have come here for many years, that's nothing new, but um, my experience is that it's always good to go back to the foundation and to the foundational practices and again reflect on them and check up if they are present in your practice. Uh, after so many years. So even if you hear the same again, we can hear it with new ears and uh, you are another person then, you were 10 years ago. So you might understand what I'm saying in a different way. So today I'm not talking about the Tara practice. Uh, I'm going to start with that uh, next meeting. Buddhism is a path into the experience of non-duality. And particular tantra practice is a practice of non-duality. So Tara on the deepest level is symbolizing the non-dual experience, the unification, the union of wisdom and love. And from a tantric point of view, this moment, as it is, is a display of Tara. So from a tantric point of view, the way this moment appears to you is distorted, it's out of touch with reality, and with tantric practice we correct that distortion. For example, one distortion could be, I'm not good enough, and I'm in this body, and I look at the world out there, which is threatening, and this is how it is, and that's why I'm scared. So from a tantric point of view, this is a distorted view. This is not how this moment exists when we look deeper. So the view in the Tara practice would be something like this. 
this moment is a display of the primordial ground in the nature of love dissolving back into the primordial ground. This moment is Tara, is the Great Mother, is Prajnaparamita, the perfection of wisdom, manifesting as a display from the primordial ground of your own being, from the primordial ground of your true self, and never loses the nature of emptiness and love, and then naturally, like a wave in a shoreless ocean, dissolves back into the Great Mother, into Prashnaparamita, into Tara. This moment is unity, emerging from unity, dissolving back into unity. This moment is love, emerging from love, dissolving back into love. This moment, as it is, is God, God's display, dissolving back into God. That's the mystic experience. That, that's the non-dual experience. There's no separation. There's only spirit. There's only Tara. So this display of Tara includes also the sense of I, includes also that what you think should be improved within your experience. So also the feeling of not being good enough, the feeling of being hurt, the feeling of being broken, is a display of the Great Mother, never losing the, its nature of essence love, dissolving back into the Great Mother. So this is a nice story so far. And if you heard this before, you might feel some relief with that nice, nice story. It is kind of a reminder. But in tantric practice, we are invited to experience this moment like this. Not through a cognitive overlay, but non-symbolic, without words, directly. And that is a realization. So it's not that we are sitting here and saying to us, yeah, actually, really, I'm not good enough. And in order to come home, in order to be fulfilled, I need to get rid of my anxiety and I need to get rid of my cancer. And then we kind of try cognitively to combat that and say, no, no, but that's not how it is. This is how it feels. What this moment really is, is the display of Tara. This is the mandala of Tara. Emerging from your own primordial ground, from your true self. So realization is to actually see it like that. So that's it. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>
figure that out yourself. <laughs> but Tara, also the practice of Tara, has a kind of a provisional level. Yes, or a provisional level of healing, a provisional level of allowing a provisional level of remothering, of refathering yourself. So that's also, it's not the profoundest level of the Tara practice, but it is the level which we will also practice. So it's, but, but even then, so even if we practice on that level, and we will, Uh, we shouldn't forget that we are not working with an angel or a being which comes there and saves us. You don't need to be saved. You are already saved. Nothing needs to nothing needs to change for you in order to be home. You never left home. You never left Tara. You have been Tara and you are Tara, and you will be Tara, and this is your mandala. So, while we practice on the provisional level, we don't forget the more profound insight of Pandric practice. So before I continue to talk, let's uh, take 10 minutes to reconnect with the body, meeting your inner life as it is. This is one of the really important aspects of tantric practice is, it is body work. It is something which happens in, 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 your, in your whole being, in your body. It's not something which happens in your thoughts and in your brain. So that's why throughout the course we will emphasize the connection with the body. So if you want, you can close your eyes. And you just start to shift from the doing mode to the being, being here in this moment. So you slide into present moment awareness. And as part of that shift, you also Shift from the head into the body. You can start with the whole body, even down into your legs and your feet, and you just notice your posture. And see if you can sit with a certain dignity. And you check out or check in 
the inner weather, welcoming the guests in the guest house of the body as best as you can, noticing them, welcoming them. And it might be helpful to lightly connect with your breath without your mind and your body closing, just lightly noticing the flow of the in and out breath and following the in breath into the body, sliding into the body with your attention, with your awareness. And you might find some restlessness or tiredness or some tension. And what we explore here is uh, what happens if you just let it be okay, if you let yourself be as you are. How is your hands, your belly? Your shoulders, and allow thoughts to become less important. There's nothing you need to figure out right now, there's nothing you need to understand. So they, they don't contribute. They are like a radio program in the other room, which is not disturbing, but also not interesting. And then when you notice that you get entangled or carried away by the inner dialogue, just make this gentle movement, this friendly movement back into your own energy, into the breath, into the belly. And then with the out-breath, it might be possible to let go a little, Letting go of the control freak, of the meditator. Letting go of the grasping. So that your belly can soften and your shoulders. And then you rest. Just rest in the midst of your experience.
just being here, not labeling this moment, not giving meaning to this moment, just being here in the aliveness and the spacious aliveness of this moment. There's no need to add or to try to take away something. Just relax the grasping. Slide into a place of contentment, of equanimity. Just giving space like the sky gives space. So this moment can be recognized as a shoreless ocean, a vastness, and feelings, thoughts, sounds, they are waves emerging from that shoreless ocean of your awareness and dissolving back into awareness. sounds and feelings, my voice, sensations, the breath, all this is the display of the Great Mother of Tara, vividly appearing like rainbows, but without any substance, like a dream, like a rainbow. There's stillness here, peace surrounding and pervading your experience. There's no further to go. You can relax. And then we call upon the presence of the Buddha 
and the lineage. Particularly the tantric lineage within Tibetan Buddhism, which goes back to India. Manifesting in our times through His Holiness the Dalai Lama and His Holiness the Kamapa. And we call upon their presence, their loving gaze, their loving silence. And we connect with the people who are online and with everyone else who right now is in the presence of the Divine. Who is in the same place, just like us. with a heart like the sky. Boundaryless and centerless. Nobody alone. you allow yourself to rest in the midst of your experience. So if you haven't received Buddhist teachings before, particularly the foundational, foundational teachings of Tibetan Buddhism, then it is a bit unusual to kind of start uh, with a practice like this. Uh, but there is uh, also ways of practice within the Tibetan tradition where right from the beginning people are introduced into tantric practice and they do the foundational teachings at the same time. So that's also definitely a valid approach. In the Guluk tradition where I was trained, they have a very gradual approach to practice. So that would mean that you might 
spend 10, 15, 20 years intensively with the foundational teachings before you start tantric practice. But I feel quite comfortable, uh, at least on that level, where I will share these teachings with you, uh, that it is okay to do that. In particular, because the majority here has been looking at the foundational teaching for quite some time. Um, there is a text, a short text, by the founder of the Guluk tradition. Uh, Lama Tsongkhapa, who lived in the 14th century and who is a kind of ref reformator of Tibetan Buddhism, and he started this Geluk school, uh, which is uh, the school of His Holiness the Dalai Lama. It's called the Three Principles of the Path. And in that text, uh, Lama Tsongkhapa tries to summarize the foundations uh, of the Buddhist teachings as a preparation for tantric practice. I will share that text uh, in, in the Tara Facebook group. And I thought uh, before the break, uh, I would like to uh, talk a bit about these three principles. For some of you as a reminder, um, And then after the break, uh, we would do a very short, simple Tara practice without the mantra, but just that you start to familiarize yourself with the process of the sadhana, you know, sadhana, the meditation manual we are going to use. But first, the three principles. And then the next two weeks, uh, I will post some additional information about these three principles in our group. So these three principles are renunciation, bodhicitta, and emptiness. And if you would ask a look, Lama, okay, what what do I need to bring into a a tantric practice or into, into an initiation. I will talk about that, what that is, and so on. Then uh, they definitely would say you need to have some familiarity and some experience with these three principles. So I thought it would be a good idea to... Um, to remind us of these three principles and also to return to them uh, throughout the course. So the first one is maybe the initially the the one who is kind of pronunciation. It sounds a bit like uh, you know, no sex, no drugs, and no rock and roll, something like that. <laughs> yes, like uh, yeah. So renunciation is just maybe a misleading 
translation uh, of the word. Is it renunciation? Renunciation, yes. So renunciation, another translation for Malek's person is, it is the determination, the determination to be free. <coughs> and to allow this determination to be free into the center of your life. So free from what? Free from the prison of the narrative self. So renunciation is a yearning, a deep longing to wake up to your true nature and to move that into the center of your life. To make that the the thing. So so it's actually like a movement towards something, but in that movement towards something, naturally, other stuff falls away. So whatever doesn't, doesn't support the move of awakening in your life naturally falls away. Not because it's bad, but you kind of lose interest. You don't want to waste time, particular knowing that you're going to die soon. And knowing, wow, I have the capacity in this life to wake up, not only for my own, it is actually not for yourself, but for the benefit of all. Because what you think you are will never wake up. It doesn't want to wake up. The narrative self doesn't want to wake up and can't wake up. So in a way, tantric practice is not for you. It's a huge disappointment for you. (laughs) So it's also about letting go of this attitude to any kind of practice, this attitude or this desire of becoming a better you. You have to die in the tantric practice. And if you if we practice and that will be part of of our practice initially obviously it's nothing wrong with that but if we practice to feel better then we have not entered even the mayana path we have not entered the tantric path at all. If we practice because we want to kind of make the narrative self, the the shell, the persona, more spiritual, more radiant, more loving, more compassionate, more happy, then we are not practicing Buddhism. We are practicing well-being, like everyone else. And this is a huge step. I mean, imagine to put all your cards in this life into awakening. Not into the career, not into the family, 
not into the health project, not into the self-improvement, not into the fitness project, not into the entertainment project. But boom, there are my cards on awakening. And then how can I, how can my job, my family, my partner, how can, how can that support that awakening? How can I use that field of challenges to grow, to grow up and to wake up? So here, at one point, we have to really see directly that nothing which you could experience in this life will bring you home. No knowledge, no partner, no job, not standing on top of the Mount Everest, whatever. Nothing of that will bring you home. So that's scary. Because so far, 95% of of energy goes into making the narrative self, what we believe we are, happy. That's what we do, day by day, walking from one cup of tea to the next, from one entertainment to the next, desperately trying to find satisfaction, desperately trying to find the place of no more seeking, by seeking. And the narrative self never ever will say, you know what, living in Malmö, having food, having water, having friends, having spiritual practice, wow, that's really good enough. I can relax. The narrative self will always, what's next? Oh, no, this is not it. There has to be something in the future which is better. Something which will make me whole. And this seeking, something in the future needs to be added to what you are already. Something you are missing something you have not understood yet or something you have still to do to get to that place of home covers up the fact that you are already home. And renunciation is relaxing that. Giving up hope. Giving up hope for a better past and giving up hope for a better future. So throughout the course, we will, of course, we will investigate into the intention. So really like looking inside, what is it, what's my hopes? What do I think 
do I get out for me out of this practice? And then daring to to lean more into the bodhicitta motivation, the bodhicitta intention, which is the second part, uh, the second principle, yeah, bodhicitta, bodhi, bodhi, awakening, citta, the heart. So the awaken, the awakening heart, bodhicitta, the awakening heart, and. We have explored many, bodhicitta is like a jewel having many facets. So we have explored the last years a lot of these facets uh, around bodhicitta and the different practices connected with bodhicitta uh, from the Tibetan tradition. It is also part of the sadhana, as with every uh, practice within uh, the Mahayana tradition, within Tibetan Buddhism, it always starts with taking refuge and reminding us of uh, bodhicitta. So a very kind of more conceptual, simple definition of bodhicitta is bodhicitta is the yearning to grow up and to wake up for the benefit of this planet, for the benefit, not only of this planet, for the benefit of all. So bodhicitta is the yearning, the longing, the decision to use this life for becoming relevant, for coming out with your gifts, with what you want to contribute. Not from the perspective of the narrative self, because the narrative self also likes to be generous. Yeah? Because that looks good, and it feels good, but really, uh, not from not from the point of view from of I, but 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 from something much more deeper. From from the call to serve. From the call to make your family, your working place the society you're living in a better place. This is bodhicitta on the on this kind of intentional rational level. So the bodhicitta teachings make only sense for those people who have that somehow in their heart that they are not here for themselves. And many people have. It gets sometimes it gets, gets distorted or we we lose the side of it, yeah. So like you know, we study something because it's really our call and we learn something and it's really and then we got up get caught up into business and in the end we might even think we go for work to earn money. Which is the most stupid thing to go for work to, because money will never bring you home. But when when we reach back, often you know we find that that voice in us. I'm actually here to love, not to receive love. And in the Mayana tradition, 
it is said that as long as we don't live from that, we will never be satisfied, we will never be genuinely fulfilled. So as, as long as we are still caught up in the polishing of the narrative self, that, that will never bring us this genuine sense of fundamental well-being, of fundamental genuine happiness. So there are practices like Tonglen and the different reflections. Mm. But I want to also here add, and I have talked so much about it here, uh, that for us, because we are so caught up in, in this story of the narrative self, I'm not good enough, I'm ashamed. I shouldn't be like that. I shouldn't feel like that. Yeah. So th- this kind of identification with the miserable eye, with the not good enough eye, that for us, an important part of uh, connecting with bodhicitta, starting to embody in bodhicitta, is uh, practices of self-compassion, practices of self-respect, practices of becoming more comfortable under your own skin, practices of forgiveness towards yourself, practices of letting go of your wounds and healing your traumas and so on. So this is very important. This is probably in the West the biggest impediment, the the biggest obstacle to really reach deep into your heart and find the soft spot of bodhicitta. And this is such an important topic that for sure I, I will have the, ne- the next 30 years a, a few uh, more self-compassion courses in my uh, yeah, if I'm if I'm still alive uh, that long time. So that's the second. So the first is renunciation, the second is bodhicitta, and the third is emptiness. So this is like tantric practice doesn't make sense if you don't start to have an initial intellectual, at least intellectual understanding of what is meant with the word emptiness within the Mahayana tradition. It just doesn't make sense, tantric practice. then, Then your tantric practice becomes this kind of deity worship. Which is fine, you know, it's nothing bad. That's the level even many Tibetans practice Tara. You know, they pray to Tara like the Catholics to the to the Virgin. It's the same, same practice. And, and that's beautiful, and it really, it's it's a good refuge. Yeah. So we really need to have some understanding of emptiness. And that takes a while. I mean, it's not, it's not like uh, that you need to have a PhD in philosophy, uh, but uh, it takes a while because it's such a 
such a radical view, a, a view which is really counter-instinctual. It's like, I mean, it sounds crazy in the beginning because it really undermines and it, uh, it deconstructs the way you perceive this moment. <coughs> the way you perceive this moment, and it sounds a bit dogmatic as if I say, okay, this is how it is, and now you have to believe me. Uh, but uh, the beauty in, this empty, in the teachings on emptiness is that within the Tibetan Buddhist tradition, you get the tools to see it yourself that you're basically mistaken all the time. So now I have five minutes <laughs> to, to say something about emptiness. So maybe one can start with how how do be, how, how do you perceive this moment? How do you experience this moment? And this could be something like this. Maybe for you it's different, but this could be something like this. It could be, and that would be the distortion. It could be that you have a sense that you are somewhere here, yeah? somewhere here, probably within your skin, yeah? I mean, I don't think you feel that you're sitting on the, on the, on the neighbor's chair, yeah? So you have a sense that, that you are here. And there's a sense that you have eyes. And that you're looking through the eyes into a world which is out there, separated from you. So that's probably the kind of sense. Like, you have a sense, you're sitting there, I'm sitting here, there's a real, he, there's a real Stefan here, and there's a real I somewhere there where you are located. And that from that center position, which is, by the way, the most important place in the universe, yeah, right? It's because it's I, it's me, and you're so fascinated by the movie of your life, your thoughts and your memories and your roles. It's like a movie. There's only one visitor in the in the in, in the cinema, and that's you. You are you are the only one who's interested in that movie. And so, soon the movie will over because the one visitor will die. And then all this blah, 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 how important everything is, is completely insignificant. Nobody cares. Yeah? And we are sitting there being fascinated by that movie. And there's only one actor. And we're writing the script. And we, the, and we are the visitor. So you have a sense you're here and you look at a world 
which is out there. It's like kind of, and and it has all these it has all these messages like this is beautiful and this is ugly and I don't like this and I don't like that, and and we believe that the things which seem to be out there, independent from us, made from matter, have some value from their side, some meaning from their side. Yeah. Can't you see? This is beautiful. Yeah. So this is so beautiful. Yeah. And if you don't agree, then out. Yeah. <laughs> then, then you're stupid. So that's the distortion of reality, and obviously that's really a crappy view on the world because you know it. It's tough. To be an I, which feels separated and buries all the time about myself, which is defensive, which is scared all the time that something might happen to that I. So, in the experience of emptiness, is the experience that this is now not how it is. That this is a projection. It's a, it's it's a it's a confusion. It's, it's a solidifying and reifying of what is happening right now in a way which leads into suffering. So the experience of emptiness is the, is the healing of this dualistic split between, between subject and object. And this is outrageous to say something like that. This is crazy. I don't, I don't know why you don't run out screaming out, <laughs> what's this? I just came here to, you know, find something to handle my stress. Yeah. So there is a very there is within the Tibetan Buddhist within the Tibetan Buddhist training there is a very logical and rational step by step approach where you uh, use the analytic rational mind uh, to be led into the experience of what I what I am describing the experience of non duality but there is also another way and that's the symbolic way. So we, in this course, we are not going to go into Madhyamika philosophy and using the rational reasoning. We have done that here, and it's good to do that. And I will share some material for those who, who would want to catch up. Uh, but we will use a very different approach, a more intuitive approach. Because we as human beings have the capacity to connect truth through symbols. And Tara is a symbol like that. So in a way, tantric practice on that level is irrational. It's a different path, which according to 
Tibetan tradition needs to be supported by a somewhat intellectual understanding of emptiness, but then the practice is very different. It's non-rational. It's symbolic. And some people don't have access to that level of practice at all. And that's fine. Yeah? If that is the conclusion at the end of the course uh, for you, no this, is, no, this is too religious. It's too superstitious. It's too... I, I, I just... I, I'm, I, I just need something else. Yeah? And, and that's completely fine because there's different paths different ways, different doors to open the experience of emptiness. But some people, they just, you know, something happens. They, we can't explain it, but it's like, you know, some people, they can read poems and they can look at paintings without going into the rational mind and they get the they get it. They get what, what the what the poet or the 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 artist wants to communicate through through the painting. And some people they rather like to study the history of art and where this painting is placed and what and so on and so on. So we ha we have different 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 approaches to spiritual life. And fortunately, Tibetan Buddhism is such a rich buffet uh, where we can really farm the food we need. So this, uh, the emptiness of aspect of uh, of tantric practice, we will uh, we will go into that. Yeah. Um, How this is, uh, how in tantric practice this is integrated in the sadhana. Yeah.